it is with heavy heart that we are dedicating this episode to our good friend, Richard Picken. Yeah. So as many of you know, Richard Picken was um, a staple of the community for, for quite a number of years, um, coaching many, many eventers, um, from Olympian to up and coming young riders and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Karen and I had the good fortune of getting to know Richard over the years. Yeah. He, he, um, he coached our son a bit. Um, and it, 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 we, I know personally, I remember talking to Richard when he was saying, Rob, I'm not feeling well, you know, and I got to see the doctor and he kind of was telling me what was going on. And that was a couple years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, for years he's fought and fault and, um, never stopped working. Always was there to help whoever needed help. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, we only knew him so much. We interviewed him. Um, we'll link up our interview with Richard number 55. Number we'll 55, link that up in yeah. the show notes. And, um, I can only imagine the people that he worked with daily and weekly and, and monthly how, how they're hurting right now. Cause he was a special, special man, right? Karen? Mm-hmm. He sure was. So our, our, our condolences, especially go out to his wife, Joni. Um, and you know, he had a, he had a great barn family. He had a couple young riders that we know of that. He definitely was helping yeah. that were with him for years. So Alex and Colin. Yeah. And we know they're hurting and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> we feel terrible for, that whole four schools farm family. Yeah. Yep. Um, like I say, Richard and Joni have been friends. They let us put a major league banner up at the farm and, um, you know, so it was always nice to catch up to Richard and, um, we're just praying for Richard and all his family and friends that are hurting right now. So, uh, this one's for you, Richard. Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. Everyone knows how much we love mane and tail. And recently, our little Stanley got a rash under his neck. Yes, yeah, so right under his collar, he got a rash. He started scratching. It got really, really red. Uh, I got worried. Well, we got worried and we took him to the vet. So as everyone knows, we've talked about before on the show that our Sparky has bad coat and bad skin. He's had allergies his whole life and we've always struggled with that. And I hear Stanley started with us. So we were very worried. Took him to the vet and the vet said, you know what the vet said, Karen? She said, use mane and tail protect. Protect line. So here's the deal. You can use protect every day on that hot spot scratches rain rot ringworm ringworm so uh there's directions on the bottle get the bottle but you can use it every day but the key is you got to let it sit on their coat for about 10 or 15 minutes let it really soak in because that contact is what's going to fix this and let it dry really well don't let the water fester on there so what we have to do is we have to let stanley's collar off and let it air out really good we don't want any moisture which we think is possibly him running around and creeks and swimming <laughs> and all types what? of stuff. <laughs> you know how the barn dogs are. You have a barn dog at all. So Karen, tell us a little bit more about the Protect line shampoo. So it's a veterinary strength 
medicated shampoo that provides a complete cleaning and protection treatment of topical skin problems. And it is pH balanced and safe for daily use. Yeah, so and that's what I didn't realize is that we can use it every day to get this stuff cleared up. And we're using it every day and our dogs are, it's amazing. It's night and day how fast it cleared up. So really, really um, fantastic stuff. So Karen, people, how do, how do people learn more? Uh, just go to maineandtailequine.com. And get it at your local tech shop, right Karen? Yes. Fairfax and Favor is even good for guys like me, Karen, who are shopping. So what's really cool is they have color collections. So they have matching handbags and accessories that go with shoes, all different types of shoes. So for a guy like me who's shopping, it's very simple for me to match up what you have. So your birthday's coming up soon. Just kind of curious if there's some favorite color that you like. Over oh, yeah. Birthday. I'm obsessed with their mango and cornflower collection mango right now. And Yes, perfect for the summer season. Yeah, so mangoes kind of looks like a mango color. Mm -hmm. Cornflower is like a baby blue. Yes. Super, super cute. And they come with, they have shoes and accessories and all these different colors. So it's very easy to match. And, and, you know, for a guy like me, who's not very good at that. (laughs) Right. And they also have the trainer with the mango and cornflower stripes. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. So that way, just think about it. You get the trainer with two different color stripes and then. Oh, two different purses. Exactly. So a mango hmm. purse and a cornflower purse. I'm getting myself in trouble. (laughs) You sure are. So Karen, if people want to check mango and cornflower out for themselves and other great Fairfax and Favor products, where do they go? All they have to do is go to fairfaxandfavor.com. This episode is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. To learn more about Red and Goat, visit their Facebook and Instagram pages and go to redandgoatequestrian.com. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of of great products out there. Mm -hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. TripleCrownFeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. TripleCrownFeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have a great feed comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. Trish Scott's got us covered and she can cover you. Trish is on with us to talk about equine mortality and medical coverages, which there's a lot of changes, Trish. So tell us what's going on in the industry right now and how can you help people? Yeah, there are a lot of changes going on in the equine mortality medical coverage right now. And I just wanted to put the word out there that we don't have to be afraid. Changes are coming, but um, I can certainly take care of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever questions, concerns, you know, our, our vendors have. Um, right now, the biggest one is Great American is not offering any medical coverage to any renewals or new business. But And the thing is with our venters, they're the, one of the top three rated horses for, um, you know, for mortality. So it's a very unique breed of animal, very unique training. So we need to make sure that your policy is covered. Um, I have access to some of the top rated carriers right now. They are all offering full mortality, medical, surgical, any coverage is needed for our vendors. Don't worry about it. Just give me a call. I'd be more than happy to walk through your current policy and make sure that your renewal is covering your horse. Not a problem. Just give me a call. I'm always available. 484-319-8923. The Rain Turtle by Turtleneck, the best rain sheet on the market, Karen. The best. 
It comes in a one, two, and a three piece with a three year waterproof warranty. And it has a full antibacterial lining. Yeah, fantastic. Of course, they have the stretch panels. So Karen, if people want to learn more, learn about the rain turtle, the sizing, how to measure your horse for sizing, how do people learn more and purchase the rain turtle by Turtleneck? Just go to turtleneck.biz. I'm Rob. And I'm Karen. Rob, super excited about today's guest. Super, super excited, I know. Karen. She is a Pan Am gold medalist. Yes, ma'am. Welcome to the show, Shannon Lilly. hey <laughs> Thank you. So exciting to have the gold medalist. I know. On. It's fun having Shannon, we... You and I were talking a couple years ago. We'll get into that conversation and all, but we we were talking a couple years ago and we were going to get you on the show. And then all of a sudden, somehow it just, it just didn't happen. And then we were talking to Michael Pollard and we were talking about the team and it was like, oh my goodness, I got to get Shannon on. We got to get Shannon on. (laughs) So we quick picked up the phone and here we are. So, so thank you very much for, for joining us. Yes. I'm happy to be here. It's always so exciting to get the gold medalist. I know, there. I know. What's it like wearing a gold medal? <laughs> how how does that feel? Do you still carry that around? Is that like, do you wear it once in a while? <laughs> it's funny. Um, I was doing the, the John and Rick show and John said the same thing. He said, I would just wear it around my neck all the time. I don't know why you don't just wear it as a necklace. And I laughed. I said, it, well, it's kind of heavy. Um, but I don't. I do. I have it, obviously. And I... Um, I've moved quite a lot recently, so it's sort of um, in a safe place at the moment and and to not get lost. But otherwise, like I would put it like put a shadow back or something like that together. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not something I wear all the time. Um, I've actually never <laughs> I've only worn it a couple times <laughs> like when we got back from the Pan Am games, but and for the parties that were held before me and stuff like that. But uh, I guess it's just the no. right outfit too. You know, it's, it doesn't go with everything. I'm sure. Well, you could be yeah, like that no, rapper that wears the clocks. Yeah, you can be. Yeah, yeah, what, what's his name? <laughs> Flavor Flav. Yeah, Flavor Flav. <laughs> you could be like him. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. So where where are you coming to us from? We're all talking by Zoom. Where are you at right now? I live in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. So I am at my house, and I am here. I guess May to December, and then I go down to Ocala gotcha. um, for the other months. Yeah. So for the winter, Kennesaw is very nice, Karen. It's, it's very, one of our it's favorite beautiful towns. country. It's probably about what a half hour, forty yeah. minutes from here. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, half hour. So we're almost oh, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. You ever get to like the little restaurants in town and stuff? It's a beautiful. Oh yeah. Town. Oh yeah. Yeah. The town is literally great. I love living here. It's it's literally a square. It's like one square mile mm-hmm. town. <laughs> it That's is. Why it's called Kenneth Square. <laughs> have you been to the Kenneth Creamery? Do you ever go to the Creamery? Yes, we oh, have. That's we love it there. Spots. Yeah, it's great. Right. They play like music and it's mm-hmm. fun. It's outdoors. It's really fun in the summer. Yeah. So. yeah. And you got some great yeah. restaurants. I tell you, I got to get back. You got good coffee, you got filter <laughs> coffee. I can go on and on. I should stop, but nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> uh, so, Shannon, can you take us back and tell us your story about how you got your start in riding and then into eventing? Um, I started riding, well, I started vaulting when I was seven. I wasn't very good at it. Um, <laughs> I liked being on the horse. I didn't really like, I liked doing the gymnastic stuff and jumping off the horse, but it, jump vaulting and 
the whole program itself was not for me. But, um, and then I ended up through, like I took lessons on lesson horses for a couple of years. And then I ended up with a lady named Dana Lind Pugh, who was in the Bay Area, grew up in the Bay Area. And I started riding with her when I was nine. And I rode with her basically my whole life. She was not just my trainer as a young person. I worked for her and I groomed for her. And then I became her business partner after college. And she was fantastic. Like she literally did. I mean, she was everything for me as far as becoming a good professional, running a business and making good decisions, dealing with with all the different personalities that we deal with in, in our sport and just in life. And so, um, and I rode mostly when I was with her, I rode mostly, I taught some, but I rode mostly. Um, and so, yeah, that's how it all started. Um, I was not, as a kid, I was not a natural rider. I was pretty awful, actually. I, um, I was a swimmer and I raced skiing some and, um, for some reason I loved the horses. I didn't want to do the other things. And, um, much my dad's dismay, he really thought the skiing thing would have been the best sport, but, um, that's okay. He has supported the, the horses since then. But yeah, um, poor Dana, she had a, a lot of work and she put in a lot of work to me, <laughs> into me to make me good enough to, to keep succeeding and, and then do it professionally. So. Yeah, I would say she did a good job. I would say so. Like, at what point did you go to her, and then how long? Like, and like, what age were you when you started there? So I started riding with her at nine, and she had a little Mustang pony that she caught off the BLM and trained. And like every kid in her barn came up on that pony, and um, then I stuck with it. And I, you know, back then, gosh, buying your first horse what it cost then and what it costs now is really different. But um, we ended up, I, I rode with her, I guess, so starting at nine years old and I stayed with her and I worked as a working student. So all through middle school, I think I started when I was 11. And then um, in high school, I would go before school, I would ride horses or take care of the barn. And then I would come after school and I'd have a lesson on my horse and then I would finish up whatever we would have to do at the barn. The barns in California are a little bit different. They're all boarding facilities because there's not a ton of land, obviously. Um, so people don't have many private farms. You have larger boarding facilities. So we ha- were one of the trainers at the facility we were at. And there were, um, eventually, there were probably five trainers at that place. And they each had their own barn and then their own arena and things like that. But it was a very large boarding facility. And so they had the boarding facility itself had staff to do the stalls and the turnouts and things like that. But we would do the grooming of the horses and the care for the horses and, and all that sort of stuff. So, and then I, from then I went to college near where she was. So I kept riding where she was. I went to Santa Clara university, which was about 25 minutes away. Um, and I didn't, I, I had two horses going into college and then my, my parents thought I should sell them and focus on school. And that lasted about six months. And so <laughs> um, I stopped riding 
for the first two quarters at school. And I was pretty miserable. I didn't realize how miserable I would be until it happened. And so I groomed for a lady at the time was Momi Akeley and now it's Momi Black. Um, or it's actually now it's Momi. Can't remember what her last name is now, but we'll figure that out. Um, but she, I groomed for her when I was in high school and then in college and she went to Kentucky and she, we went to Essex and Kentucky and Radnor and Fair Hill and all kinds of places. And I, so when I was at college, I kept doing that. And so finally at the end, my third quarter hit and I talked to Dana, I said, can I just really come back and ride? Even if it's not, I don't have my own horse. And so I did. So I started coming like three days a week or something. Um, I was working and going to school and then I came and rode and worked at the barn also. And then I, after that, I found a way to, to make it so I could ride every day. And so sort of finagled my way through college by riding horses for people and selling them and like showing them and selling them and making a little money. And then eventually I was able to buy my own horse. And so. Wow. And got back a, into it. Where there's a will, there's a will. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what exactly. part of California yeah. is this? What part is this? Northern, Southern, Central? We It's the Bay Area. So it's just south of San Francisco is where we were then. Um, and then Dana moved her business. She had moved her home quite like an hour and a half south of the Bay Area. And she had horse property down there. And then we moved the barn. When I was a senior in college, we moved the barn from the Bay Area. So where Woodside, where the event at Woodside is, like it's right, we were right in that area. And then she moved, It was it's about an hour south in Gilroy. And it just has more land. It's more of an agricultural area. And there, she and an old business partner of her he bought a farm down there and then she ran, she and I ran the operation out of there and I managed that facility for 10 years. Wow. And so, um, and then, and then we had our operation there and it, the place is amazing. It's still there. It's an incredible facility. Um, they do. It's probably one of the best in, in Northern California. There's a lot to offer there. So, wow. Did you stay? So you went from being working there uh, or starting at nine years old to becoming a business partner. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talking so about promoting she, from within. There uh, we yeah. Go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she. Um, she. She definitely put her faith in me at that point. Like I. She had had a couple different business partners or assistants, or I mean, she called us business partners, but to, we were assistants. She was just very kind about the fact that she wanted to view us as equals. Um, even though we were not, <laughs> but she was very kind that way. Um, and so she had a couple people th- and they didn't work out. And so I, when I was, I was still in school and I said to her, when we moved to Gilroy, I said, this is the perfect opportunity because a lot of our clients didn't make the move and we're going to have a new clientele base. So I wouldn't be viewed as a working student. I would be viewed, I could be viewed as a professional. So I basically asked her if she would consider me. Um, and we had such a good working relationship um, that, and, and she did. And so she took a chance and, and I was young and um, had a lot to learn, but she's the right person to teach that. So how about that? Very cool. Yeah. yeah it's I'm very thankful what, a to bit her of a for change of place, did. a little change of place or a little something like that gives you that reset to where you're, mm. 
your the perception of who you are is different. I guess the people who might have been around that barn since you were nine years old might not take you as much of a partner right. as a right. Yeah, you know. right. It's it's definitely hard to make that transition, um, and I don't think there was any way that they could have seen me in the ring teaching them when I still look like I'm ten years old or nine years old in their eyes. You know yeah. that that's hard. So. It goes back to, you know, everything happens for a reason. So did you, did you was, graduate college? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I graduated, I majored in marketing. Um, and I graduated, well, I could have graduated early, but my dad said, you can always learn more. So I finished my fourth year <laughs> and I learned more. Um, and, and yes, I um, college was important to me. I... I wanted to go to school. I never didn't want to go to school. It was really important to me. And I, I'm glad I did. Um, I think if nothing, like the education is important, but the social maturation is important as well. And I think that the, especially in, in, you know, we don't just train horses, but we communicate with people and sponsors and clients. And and I mean, I, I do a lot of committee work and I think it's really important to one sound educated, but also be able to identify what, like identify the people you're working with and how to read a room and, and that sort of stuff. So I, I think that, and I, I do think that going to school was a large part of that, like learning those abilities and things like that. Wow. Very cool. And now as you kind of, you know, you, you made your way up the ranks and you, when did you, you, you know, were you still in that program when you went to the Pan Ams? And can you take us through yes. like that Pan Am experience? Like how how did you transition from this girl getting out of college and just kind of scraping up rides to to getting you know top level? You know, going to the Pan Ams and winning a gold medal. Right. So it's interesting. Dana and I first started going over to Ireland um, to look at horses for clients. Um, and I had a client that didn't fly and was too, didn't, was not comfortable flying. So she said, will you go find me a horse in Ireland? I want a horse from Ireland. I said, sure. She said, you can take anybody you want, but I won't go. And these are my requirements. And I think the list that she gave me (laughs) of the requirements, like, like, down to the color, like the age, the breed, you know, all those things, but also like it couldn't spook, it couldn't flip. Like, I mean, there were so many things on that list that had, like, it couldn't be gray, it couldn't be this, like, it couldn't be that, it had to be this. And the way, I mean, it was hilarious. And I thought, how are we going to find a horse for her? There's no way. So I, I took Dana. I said, Dana, let's go to Ireland. This will be fun. Hey, we've never done this before. So we went over there and Aidan O'Connell is is a friend now a very good friend, but he was our host basically took us around to all the yards and everything. We probably, I think I sat on like 70 horses in three days. Um, and I took notes on all of them. I mean, I I wrote like a novel. We had video of everything. And there was one horse that Dana, we went to, it was at Anne O'Grady's yard and it came out of the stall and Dana said, we're buying this one. I said, you really think it's that good? Yeah, it's that good. Okay. What is she? It doesn't fit all the criteria. She goes, I don't care. We're buying it because I can sell it. So um, we brought it over. It 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 was the horse I took to the Pan Am Games. Um, but it 
went through a few things before it actually ended up being mine. So we, I, the lady, I wrote it in the first few events and it won everything that I wrote for her. And then she didn't end up liking it. So, because it, it was a little spooky um, and he was kind of had, he had a really good sense of humor. So he was not so much spooky as he was, oh, I might be able to get you off and just turn around and go the other way. Uh. So um, <laughs> he, he, um, he, uh, he, we sold him to a young writer in our barn and she had tons of success through the two-star level, um, preliminary two-star level. And then her first intermediates on it. And then she was going to Scotland for vet school and I, Told Dana, I said, I have to buy him. Like there, I, there's no other horse like him, basically in the country. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. So I put together, like I can't. I was very crafty. Like I, I talked to my dad, who's been a supporter and owned some horses. Like he owns one of my horses now. And then he said he would put in a little bit. I put in a little bit, and I like to be majority owner on any horse I own, um, just for power, just for power. And, and they have to buy you out if they want you not to ride it. So, um, so I, I put money in and then my dad did. And then I had a couple clients that like, I sort of did like a loan with, I just got very creative on how to figure out how to do this. Cause there's more money than I'd ever spent ever. And even thought I would ever spend, but I knew it was worth it. Cause I've known him at that point for a few years. And so, um, I made it work. And then, and again, I won like everything I went to on him. He was unbelievable. I mean, I, he was better than me, but he made me a really good rider. I, had, at that point I had run, I hadn't gone advanced. No, I'd gone advanced. Um, but I, I was riding a lot of maybe not the nicest of horses, but doing it, getting it done and doing a good job. And I feel like, you know, you get pretty scrappy and you learn how to ride. But he was one that definitely put more polish on me because he was such a good, he was so correct. And like, if you were really correct, then he would score really, really well. Um, And he was such a good jumper. Holy moly, he was such a good jumper. So, and I got to, I had so much opportunity with him. I got to work with Mark Phillips a lot. And I worked with, you know, a lot of the coaches they brought in and they did all the training sessions and that was great. And I had other horses in the past that I, um, about five years prior to that, that I had gone, um, and gotten some grants and, and won some things like that. So, um, like I got a grant to stay out on the East coast for a while and train with lots of top people and some other horses, but this horse was definitely probably, he was definitely the best horse I had owned to that point. Um, and so I was pretty lucky, wow. lucky to have him for the short period of time that I did. So wow. next thing you know, you're, <clears throat> how was that PNM experience? It was incredible. We had the best team and like, it was a team. It wasn't five individuals on a team. It was a team. And, and Buck was sort of our veteran leader. Like, and we still talk about it and people still talk about it today. I mean, I'm good friends with, with Buck and with Lynn and I don't see Michael as much. And I see Hannah all the time. And I'm friends with her too, but like it, it was so great. It was so like, it can't even describe how wonderful of an experience it was from the training camp, like, and everything that we did leading up to it. And, and John Holling was initially named to the team and then his 
course, had an unfortunate little setback. And so Lynn was the alternate and she made it on the team. But like even just the the whole squad, like all the alternates, everyone, Christian Soldi was there. Like we had such a, it was such a good camaraderie. And then the five of us that actually went, it was incredible. I mean, we had so much fun. Everyone supported one another. It was never competing amongst each other. It was only about the team and winning as a team. Like it was, there was never a thought otherwise. And actually Buck and I were talking about this the other day. It's, in, it's incredible that that, like you never thought that, oh, I might win the gold medal individually or a silver medal individually. It was just how the team is going to win and what you need to do when you go out. What is your job? Like I was named the anchor rider. And so what is, what is each person's role in, in, in on the cross country? Like, do you have to make time? Those things like who's got that cover? Like Sarah Pike was our chef to keep and she was really good to make sure like we all ended up going clean and fast and we all showed jump clean and, and it was, you know, it's great. But, um, it, the whole time we had, we had, it was the best experience. So that's awesome. 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 I love it. I can only imagine that yeah, feeling. I know. Could you take <laughs> us a little bit? Like if we fast forward now, uh, you were in California. Now you're in Kenneth Square. You made the move. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that move, the whys, the and 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 how that went, and then how it's been with that transition over here to the East Coast? Yeah. So I um I, I rewind a little bit more. So I worked with Dana, and then I ended up I got hurt, and so I couldn't be the rider for a while. So her daughter came back to help. And so it ended up being that she, like Kelly, now Goodman, um, she's married, but she was doing all the riding and stuff. And so it, it, it was, and they didn't know if I would ride again and things like that. So we ended up sort of going, not going our separate ways. We're like family, but I wasn't working for them anymore. And so I ended up when I, a few years later, four years later, I guess, five years later, I ended up starting my own business in Santa Cruz, which is basically an hour and 10 minutes away or so from where they were. Um, and it's on the coast. It's near the beach. It's awesome. It's a great place. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend going to visit. <laughs> but um, I ended up, Bobby Meyerhoff was over in Santa Cruz and he ended up leaving and coming to the East Coast. And his clients that were there sort of came and found me. Um, and I started teaching all of them and I started my own business out there and it was awesome. And I had the best clients and it was so, we were so busy. I moved, I, the hard thing about Santa Cruz is the barns, like finding a place, a boarding facility that's adequate for the type of care that you like to give and, and the life you like to give the horses is, is hard to find there. Um, and so I moved three times in six years or five and a half years. And so the last place I landed, I, it was fabulous. Like I had a really good farm manager. Her name was Lara and it was at Bonnie Dune Equestrian Center. And it was beautiful. It's three miles up the mountain from the ocean and in the redwoods. It's so peaceful. The horses were happy. And I thought like, Oh, this is great. Um, the fire danger in California is real and it is, it is hard. And so at that point, I was so busy. We had like 20 plus horses um, under my care in training. Um, and 
August, uh, two summers ago, there was a fire that, well, there was a dry lightning storm and it started 23 fires in the area, sort of all along the coast and inland. And we, we ended up long story short, like we, we ended up, there was a fire in the Canyon next to us and we watched that for about four days. And then we started to evacuate. Some people decided they didn't want to deal with it. So um, they, they left. So maybe six horses left and we still had 36 on the property. And so we would take shifts of staying there because the owner of the property lived up the road, but he wasn't really a horse person. So we decided like I would stay there at night and then the other, like we would take shifts. We couldn't ride. The smoke was too bad. Um, and I was going to move them out anyway the next day, but we ended up, there was one night wherever we thought we were in the clear. We thought everything was okay, but two, three of the fires on the backside of the mountain merged and basically exploded and came over the top of the mountain. And the, and the community that, that community is one of the most amazing communities in the world. The people are so incredible and it was devastated, like tons of homes. I had clients lose their homes. Um, and the, we ended up, we had a really good plan in place. We had all the, like, and we had a, thank God we had power. Cause when you don't have power there, you don't have any cell phone, cell phone service. So we'd have to drive down to the bottom of the mountain to the ocean to be able to get cell service. But that night we had cell service because we had power. So I ended up calling people were there within a half hour. We evacuated all the horses. We got it done in about two hours. Um, and we drove them down to the coast. There's another farm on the coast. The guy that did my hay, um, I called him. It was like one o'clock in the morning. Um, and he said, just come, just bring them all. We'll figure out where they go. And so we moved them all. And um, that fire lasted, I mean, it was, it was devastating. And, and the problem is because of COVID, they didn't have the manpower. Cal Fire didn't have the manpower to be able to, to run lines and and to to do all the fire lines that they needed and things like that because they didn't have the prisoners. Um, like a lot of the prisoners would come, they would bring them out and they would have them put in the fire lines and roads and things like that and they couldn't. Um, so it went on a lot longer than I think it would have in any other year. Um, but at that point we had moved, I, I moved, I evacuated to the one barn and then I had to evacuate again because it would spread and we were worried that it was that it wasn't going to be safe there and the smoke was really bad. So we moved to two different, three different barns. And one of which was Dana's, like some horses went to Dana. I took my horses to Dana's ultimately. Um, and so did a couple other people. And then um, there were two other barns that I had horses at and we couldn't get back into the barn we were going to because there was no power and there were, the fires weren't out for like three weeks. And then there was no power for another three or weeks or so after that. So you're almost two months in. And I basically lost a significant portion of my business because at that where we had moved to was not far from Dana and Kelly's place. And their facility is far superior. And, and so it was just getting to the point where I was sort of thinking about moving to the East Coast. Now I'm really moving to the East Coast. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be dealing with fires. I don't want to be evacuating horses and 
all that. It just, it's so hard. So evacuating yourself is one thing. It's fine. But having to evacuate all the horses is, is really, really challenging. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up, I basically packed up a year and a half ago and I had some clients that came with me. I have one, one of my best friend. She's also a client. She's sort of my um, rock at the moment. And she is a traveling nurse. So she can work in Florida and she can work in Pennsylvania. And she has been with me. And she has a horse with me. And then um, I had some other clients that came out and then since gone to school. And one, another girl that came out to work for David O'Connor. Um, so we, we all sort of came out to Florida not this last winter, but the winter before. And and I was at John Hollings for the first half, and then I went to Bucks for the second half um, there. And then I thought I had a plan that I was going to move to North Carolina, and then that didn't work out. And so I just sort of toured around the East Coast, and I came up to Pennsylvania, and I love it. So I haven't left. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Do you have yeah. your own place in PA or are you, are you sh- like up with another rider? I, I rent a facility from um, Colin Reynolds. Her okay. family's farm is Fox Mill Farm. It's in Oxford. Um, it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and she is a, is a show jumper. She's a Grand Prix show jumper and, but she's an amateur. She works for a living. And, um, but she's, great she she grew up hunting and eventing and so she knows a lot of the people um and so so i go there like i come up in may leave in december and and if it's available i'll come up sooner but she has she rents it out because she has a beautiful indoor and really nice barns and fields and they all have sheds and things like that so she does rent it in the winter because she goes to florida for six months out of the year so um but i sort of fell like I, I sort of stumbled upon it because a client of mine in the winter, because she knew I was looking for a place this year, she sent me the ad that Colin had put on Facebook and I called her. I said, ah, can I rent it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. come and introduce myself. I promise. I'm normal. You're not far at all. That's Yeah, uh, you're about 10 minutes yeah. from us. 10 minutes from us. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah yes. we used the pony club out of yeah, that. Yeah, so Colin, uh, she was in um, our son's pony club. So Delaware Pony oh, Club, no and we used to have our mounted <laughs> so meetings funny. there. Yeah, mm. that's so great. What a it, small world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Do they still fox hunt out of there all winter long? They they used to. I don't think they did last year. Like they used to meet all there yeah. all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, I feel like Colin said they didn't last year. So because the we went to. I met some of her fox hunting friends, her mom's fox hunting friends. And like a lot of the areas, it sounded like a lot of the areas that they used to fox hunt and all the trails and the openings and stuff weren't cut through anymore. So it sounds like they're not going out of there anymore, but they do go from somewhere close. I think we're closer to your farm here where we're at than you are in Kenneth Square. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah, it's not that close from my house. Um, But... It's okay. It's worth it. It is a beautiful it, property yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, Karen used to keep a horse around a corner and her brother lives down mm-hmm. the road, maybe yeah. about five more minutes away. So, yeah. Oh, no so. kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever need someone That's to check great. on the horses, just let us know. Yeah. We'll oh, see. super. We're, okay. We're, we're local too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to come say hi then. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And they have that nice, they have a nice observation room in mm-hmm. the indoor. It's a beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. The whole bond, everything there is done so well. Yeah. Yeah. Danny and they're such wonderful people. Yeah, they are wonderful people. They mm-hmm. are very, very, the, the family is wonderful. Very, very nice. They, they Now, look, yeah. this is a beautiful piece of property with a beautiful home. And I remember we hosted a Pony Club meeting and Mrs. Reynolds came and she was like, oh, your home is so nice. I Our know, home we is the like, size oh. of like her, her, you know, kitchen. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, she's so nice though. Yeah. You know, but yeah, tiny great family. <laughs> Nice. I used to love driving up the the driveway. Yeah. Such a cool driveway it with the trees. A, yes, and, yes. It's, yeah. it's narrow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, wide. It's wide. <laughs> yeah. But it is beautiful. I hack up the driveway every day because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's so pretty and shady. Yeah, so. it's gorgeous. So so today's business, um, you, you, you do a lot. I, I want to touch on, you know, what you do out of your farm as well as, you know, you do it. You do lots of clinics, and also you just wrapped up the um, EA 21s in Virginia, mm-hmm. which is a brand mm-hmm. new program. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have so much to talk about with that. So can you take take us through like your current business, your coaching, your your an ICP level four uh, instructor, and then and then tell us a little bit about that program and how that EA 21. So it's probably one of the first, you know, this is the first year of this program. So kind of curious how that right went down. right. Um, so I. We at Collins, we have, I have an 11 stall barn, so it is full. Um, and I basically, I'm very hands-on, but I customize, you know, all my clients who come in, I have, a, I have quite a few amateurs and I have some juniors and I love to teach. I do clinic a lot. I love to ride. Obviously I'm happiest when I'm on a horse. Um, but I do love to teach and I, I, I think that it's really important to, you know, not, not every student is for every instructor, right? I think that it's important to find what your students need and, and sort of tailor things to them, right? And, and so you have some amateurs that work all the time, that this is their fun thing. And this is just, they just want to come out and have fun and enjoy it. And so you have to know how to make them good and safe, but keeping it, fun and while they're you know, spending lots of money doing it. And then you have some amateurs that are so competitive and want to be their best and want to ride at the top levels. And, and then you have to know how to, to get everything out of them while keeping their family life intact and stuff like that. Cause it, there's a lot of sacrifice. And so I have Liz Masalia, who is, she, she came, to, so she bought a horse for me before I left California and I had written, I, I bought him in Ireland as a six year old and he's now 12 and, and he, she bought him about a year ago, year, two years ago. So year and a half ago, she, um, and she came to California, she tried him, she bought him and he's not the easiest horse to ride and he's wonderful and he's safe and he's great. And I knew she'd be fine, but she, was in a program and for whatever reason it wasn't working. So she came to me when I had just moved to Florida, she came and asked if she could ride with me in Florida because she wasn't in the barn that she originally was anymore. And so she's been a huge supporter of mine. Like I helped her learn how to ride that horse and they've had tons of success through the two-star level and she's getting ready to move up to intermediate. And um, so she has me out to her farm once a month in Indiana because she's from Indiana. 
and she has she's a mom of three kids and their her youngest is now going to school in a week um and so she has so i clinic there once a month and it's awesome i mean that the community in indiana is fantastic the people are great and it's really fun and i enjoy it um there's a lot of education that needs to be spread around that area of the country. So I enjoy that part too. Um, But she brings her horses to Florida. And then I have a bunch of people in Indiana that bring horses to Florida um, and stay for the winter. And then she also comes like she's been there since June or her horses have been there since June and they'll go back probably the end of September. Um, and so I had people that sort of go in and out. And I, like I said, I travel there. I was going up to New York for a while, but then I have people now that come down from New York and leave the horses with me. Um, and so I, I try to be as flexible as possible as a coach and, and as a program, like it, whatever they need, if they need me, if they need to leave and go home and be with their family, they can do that. And then I'll ride the horses and, or in, my, I have one girl, Caitlin Austin, who decided she'd stay after this summer. She's awesome. And so she helps me a lot too. Um, and then I have some full-time clients that are there a hundred percent of the time and, and I teach them and ride their horses and, you know, it's all about the journey. So, um, so that's basically like the teaching part of it. Um, and then I do sales horses as well. I usually have one of my own that I buy and I resell. Um, and then people bring horses in for me to sell as well. And, um, and it's been pretty easy here. It's easier in Florida, but it's been pretty easy here to to sell because people will come to this area because there's enough people to sell horses with. So, and then the the EA twenty one program is. I'm really excited about that. I did a lot with the Area Six Young Riders, um, basically from 2007, 2012, I think it was. Um, 2013, something like that. And I was the chef to keep. Um, and we meddled every year that I went. Um, I was also the coordinator. So I was a chef to keep and coordinator for the Area 6 Young Riders. I had the most amazing team that I put together underneath me that handled the various aspects of the Young Rider program. And it worked really well. Um, I was involved with that. And I had great coaches. And B and Derek... Grazia were the coaches the first couple years and then Dana was the coach the last few years that I was that I was a part of that and it was great and they it was a great program so I was excited when they decided to do this EA21 program because I think it's a it's an area where we don't pay attention to it enough in this country there's not enough funding for it to develop those riders so I like in in England, they just came, they came out with something in the horse and hound a couple months ago that said they had like a seven figure budget for their developing kids. And the people on, on this committee, we kind of circulated around saying we're pretty behind the mark if they're, they have a seven figure budget for their, you know, under 21 kids. That's pretty, pretty huge. So we, this committee, there's some fantastic people on it and they were able to put together quite a bit of funding or find quite a bit of funding for this year. And it should only grow in the next, in the next, you know, over the next years. And so 
we, um, and it's really, it's being built to last, you know, and I think that's really important. And David heads up the whole thing. David O'Connor heads up the whole thing. And then we have the instructors that, that they did five regional clinics. So I was a coach on one of them um, at, at Morven Park. I was the coach. And then Rebecca Bratlane was the coach at Holly Hill in Louisiana. And then... Emily Bashir did Stableview and Rebecca Brown did the two just, it just finished, I think like three days ago on the sixth. Um, she did the two, one at Aspen farm, John Elliott's place. And then one at twin rivers, the Baxter's place in California. So there were 12 kids at each one and they, we had 150 applications which is great for this year. And it literally, they didn't have a whole lot of time by the time we announced we we had done the application and everything, it was pretty quick turnaround. So we had 150 applications, and we 12 kids were selected for each one. And then we, I think it's going to be 12 kids, then go to the nationals. So so from these regional clinics, then 12 kids get selected and go to the national one, which will be held in January in Florida. And the the play the venue is still being determined, but it will be with David, and I'm, I'm hoping to, we get to go watch. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah. And I love. I mean, the kids were incredible. I my job, like just watching them. I mean, we started with a lecture in the morning. You taught you lecture on dressage, and you do dressage lessons. Then you lecture with show jumping, and and you do show jumping lessons. And then I did like a we talked about what it means to be on a team. Like what do they think it means to be on a team and what are the best qualities to have as a team member and where do they see themselves and, and, you know, moving forward. And then as professionals, what do they think the qualities are? And then we talked about cross country riding and things like that. So it's been, um, they were great. The kids were great and some really good riders. So I, it's hard to, to be able to select. I think we, you know, we haven't talked about that yet, but um, it's, they were great. It, it was such a, it was such a pleasure to be able to go and teach them. They were all fantastic and in their own way. And, you know, some were great riders on great horses and some were great riders on not so great horses, but they were, you know, all of them deserved to be there. And so it was really fun. That's I awesome. really enjoyed it. And if I'm not mistaken, David O'Connor he kind of pioneered when it was the USEF made the under 18s and the under 25s. So I think that was kind of right. his brainchild. And now he's back involved with this, <clears throat> which is now being ran by the USEA, this right. EA 21. So very cool how that kind of all came around. I think that's a really good idea. I think mm-hmm. 21's a, 21 and under is a good age. Yeah, That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. I love it. Well, th- thank you for doing that. Also, uh, one other piece of business before we move on is, you, you know, where, where, where you and I spoke a little bit a bit about before was like the, the ERA of NA, which was formerly the pro riders organization. And you headed that organization up for the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit now that's kind of shifted a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what you do and, and what's going on with that now and what's your role? Yes. So it has shifted it. You know, we, it was originally pro the pro rider, you know, pro riders organization, it was pro. Um, and Samantha Lendl did an amazing job heading it up and doing a ton of work with it. And 
unfortunately, we just couldn't get the membership to stick. And we then we did a like a basically a rebranding, and it became the ERA of NA, the Eventing Riders Association. We were trying to piggyback off of what they had done in Europe, and we still just couldn't gain enough momentum from a membership standpoint to to keep it going. And so we we try and I talked to you about that then. Like how do we what platform can we use to make this just just even if it's a non-paid membership base where people could just come and and because the whole point of it was to be a voice for the riders. So we're just trying to create a voice for for riders and even organizers and officials and everyone were just trying to create a voice within the sport, but um, that wasn't leveraged by a national governing body was the whole point. So now we are a committee, like we are affiliated with the USCA. Um, they, we joined forces with the USCA because we were able to then utilize their membership base and their staff and all that. And, and we have, we still have a board, basically we're, we're a committee now um, as a, that's affiliated, but we, we do have our own, like we're able to make our own decisions and our own choices and put things forward and things like that. Um, so it's been great. Actually, we've had, we have several meetings. I'm still the president. Um, and it, it basically merged with the professional horsemen's council, which was a committee that they had. And we chose to keep the name, the ERA of NA just because it, had had gained some momentum in that regard. And, um, and we deal with, you know, issues that deal with rules and, and different competitions that may or may not be that, you know, that may need to be rewarded or may need to not be rewarded or things like, you know, that things can be changed, footing issues, um, warm up issues. <laughs> so, you know, all the stuff like that, that we sort of see that go on at the horror shows or we see that might trend in the sport. Um, we try to, to make change and stay ahead of things. And then we like Joe Meyer is on that committee and he is good friends with Bruce Haskell who heads up the, the URA international. Um, and so we are able to communicate with them if there are things that we need to collaborate on from a, you know, on an international level with FEI. So, um, and then I work closely with Lynn Szymanski, who is head of the eligible athletes. So she and I, if she has issues that she wants to bring up then we put it forward in our committee too, and we discuss it. And then that way there's just more voices and more strength to get things changed versus one small group. Yeah. Now, how do people, if people want to be a part of that or if they want to learn more or if they want to, uh, you know, you know, kind of contribute and help, how, how do people, is there still a separate email for that or, or a website or how do yeah, people- They can email me. I mean, they can email the USCA. Kate Loki is our staff liaison. So, so they can, they can email me. They can email Kate. If they have issues they want brought up, they can bring it forward. There's a, um, there's an out, there's a place on the website, but, but Kate Loki is probably the best one, but, or myself, um, if they want it to be heard right away. But, um, if they want to be a part, 
like I, I guess the best thing to do would be to bring items forward that they want to see change. And then we, we do calls every other month. And if there needs to be, you know, something that pushed through, then we can, we call special meetings and things like that. But I think, um, like Lauren, the, the committee list is on the website. So any one of us that that's on it, Rick Wallace is on it. Lauren Nicholson's on it. Um, there's several people on it, Joe's on it. Um, and I think that it's more that we're out and available to people. I think that's the biggest thing that we just want to make sure that people realize that we're there to hear them if they need to be heard. So awesome. But yeah. Right. That's very cool. Yeah, well, you know, and part of the reason why I bring that up, I'm sorry, Karen. No, no. Was like, so we just recently had someone, we had the Major League Eventers Facebook group, and somebody brought up uh, an issue at a show, and it was unfortunate. And, you know, a lot of conversation. I know, like, Rob Burke's a member of our group, but he doesn't really comment much, which I understand why. I mean, he's... He's busy. He's busy. <laughs> but, uh, you know... But, you know, I think sometimes like they come to our group and we're glad to have that come out and then there'll be a discussion. But then at some point in time, there needs to be action put towards bringing mm-hmm. this up to the USCA or, or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and knowing where to go when you have a problem um, as a rider, as a competitor at an event. And, and, it, and it sounds like a series of unfortunate events, but ultimately the version from the rider, it sounded like they got harshly um, – um, penalized for, for for things that were out of their way so i'm just curious like in a case like that you know it sounds like this is a way for the writer's voice to be heard maybe if someone doesn't feel confident to email the usca directly maybe they can mm-hmm. come to the era and and say hey you know, right. or, or even if they want guidance on hey who do we talk to you know without going right to the organizing body so that's why I bring that up because I think that's um, right. a lot of people don't know and they feel mm-hmm. like they're on a little island and and they're maybe an adult amateur and you know you know they don't want to make waves but at the same time we can't uh, people invest so much time even as amateurs you know we want everyone to have a fair shake at it you know absolutely yes no and that is originally why when we started the ERA of any that is why we started it is so you know for all groups of riders. That, and especially the amateurs that may not feel like they have a voice that they do, you know, and there's a place to go. And so it's, it's, it's a little different now, but it's still the same, you know, it's still, they still want to make change. They still want to hear people and hear, I mean, there are a lot of times I get emails saying, what would you do about this? And I just bring it up to the, to the committee and, then there's a way to either make recommendations to put things forward or, or, you know, if different rule changes come across us, then we think are sillier that we want to advocate for the riders because they're not rider friendly, things like that. But um, for some of the things that it sounds like you're talking about, we have had people complain at horse shows or have some things that have gone wrong and we have brought that forward and discussed it. In, in so on some of our calls and sometimes there's things we can do and sometimes there's not, but at least it get, it does, it does go, there's a record of it and it goes forward to the USCA from us. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's, there's, there, it's just, a, like you said, it's a, it's a matter of having a record of it and seeing if there's a trend of this or, you know, or if something right. needs to be said or mm-hmm. done or, or maybe if an official or, or a steward needs 
uh, you know, a refresher on a certain rule or etiquette or, or who knows what. So, right. And right. I, I tell you what, I will time- say too, like they can fill out their event evaluation form. Like I think that's something that is underutilized, but it's really important. And that, and those go on record, right? Like those, you don't have to put your name on it. it can be anonymous, but they do, they do go on record and, and, and they do see those. So I, as much as, they may, you know, you may forget to do it. I do think people like for positive and negative feedback, I think it's great for the events mm-hmm. to, to get it. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And that, that was actually um, a suggestion brought up in yeah. the group. You know, some yeah, people saw that lots of good suggestions and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and we yeah. try to keep our group, our group is really not a uh, place to go. And it's, it, we try to keep a positive, upbeat thing, but at the same time, but you know, you can they were the, asking for help. They were asking for yeah. help. So, yeah. And I think they yeah. got some help. So Awesome. Uh, very cool. Yeah, it's good. All all good stuff. But you are busy. You got a lot going on. How should I time the interview with us? Was incredible. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, I thanks. I I like to be busy. I like I said. Um, I do think giving back to the sport is really important. Um, and so I do sit on a lot of committees. <laughs> um, and and I think it's important to show up and and do your part. And so I yeah, love it for sure. But it's fantastic. Fun. All right, so Shannon, we're going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, quick fire questions is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. Get your all weather outerwear by going to redandgoatequestrian.com. So it's five questions. You don't have to be quick, but we will grade you at the end. <laughs> strict, strict, grading. strict grading. All right. Let's do it. All right. Favorite rider growing up. Man, my favorite rider growing up. Can it be now, or does that? Yeah, 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 you're still growing up. (laughs) I'm still growing Um, up. So, (laughs) oh gosh, I Mark Todd. Okay, good answer. Very good. All right, favorite event to compete at. I love Fair Hill. Yay. Yay. That's our favorite. That's our favorite. And I love because when I groomed there as a kid, I loved it. And I finally got to compete there when I moved out. And I did the restart there on a horse last year. And I just love it. It's it's such a magical place. It sure is. Will you be there this weekend? I will. I'm not riding, but I have students going. Okay. We'll be there. You will be there. We'll be there. Nice. Awesome. (laughs) Just we'll throw that out there. If you look at the pennies, we're the penny sponsors. So our logo is on all the pennies. Oh, cool. Thanks. That's so fabulous. (laughs) All right. So next question. Uh, What is one thing that most people don't know about you? (laughs) Um... Man, I feel like I'm kind of an open book. Um, I am a classically trained singer. Oh, whoa! So, a lot of people don't know that. I don't do it a lot anymore, but I would train for 10 years. Wow, so, 
That's that's really cool. That's a bonus point. I know that. You gotta is get her up with Robert Costello. He's classically trained. I piano. know. We got the is he really? Together. Yo, yeah. he, he's a pianist, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. he played yeah. on our show. He actually played for us. Did he? Yeah, yes. he did. On the he show. did. You can always sing for us if you want. Yeah, I I, Just, I could. <laughs> <laughs> she could, but she, she could. won't. Maybe but. next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next time. Next. She said it. Next time. So next, next time. time we have her. Yeah. Yep. Right. You said it. All right. Right. If there's a, if eventing was not an option, what other riding discipline would you want to try? Um, I would probably show jump. I do love show jumping as well. Um, but I think raining is really cool. So I, I, I do think if, if, if eventing weren't an option, I would show jump, but, but I did when I was younger I was at a place where they did raining, like they had rainers and raining cow horses and I got to sit on them and it was so fun. So I could get into that too, I think. We get that quite a bit. We do. We do get that quite a bit. It looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, looks, it is fun. I mean, if you're on a good horse, I didn't know anything. I had no idea what I was doing, but the horse was really good. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really fun. <laughs> All right. So last question. If you go ride any horse, Past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Oh man, these are good questions. Um, I'd like to ride Chipmunk. Oh, that's yeah. Dang. Solid answer. Yeah. I think that horse is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, because I'm a huge Julia Karowski fan. And so when she had him, I was really, I, I was so in awe of him and her. I think she's fabulous. And now Michael has him, which he's, you know, he's really good. So um, he's all right. <laughs> but Imagine the horse, him getting the best out of the horse too. <laughs> yeah, but the horse, the horse is, is cool. Really cool. So yeah. 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 It'd be fun to ride that one. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Excellent. A plus plus and an extra point for the. Awesome. Classically trained singer. Yeah, that's yeah. that's big. You have no idea how many how impressive that. That's very cool. She could get a, another gold medal if she would just sing. Yeah, if you sang a couple, if you hummed a couple bars, another a gold medal would be on your way. We could right right okay. now. You yeah, a gold medal come right on, come on. <laughs> Right. Next time, I promise. Okay. In person, right. maybe. She's going to warm up a little. <laughs> oh, she'll sing for us at Fair Hill. There we go. Oh. Get your recorder in. Yeah. yeah, it's better in person. Yeah, yeah. those AirPods just don't have the... <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if they vibrate. Like, yeah. might not sound yeah. good. No, we don't want that. Oh, so. no. Right. Is, is a classically trained... Now, what type of... Is there a certain style? Is it like uh, is is a it certain like, type of music? Yeah, is it like opera? Opera. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I can sing other things as you get older, like you go, you go through like five or seven vocal changes throughout your life. And so I started singing in high school. I like I sang up until then, just not knowing anything. And then in high school, I started training and training college as well. And, and as I've gotten older, my vocal range has changed a little bit. It's actually gotten lower, which is great. I enjoy it some of the lower notes that I can hit now versus what I could when I was younger. But, um, but I basically, I'm a, what you would call mezzo soprano. So second soprano. Um, and now I can sing some alto stuff, which is more fun. Wow. Um, 
and and I did, I sang mostly opera type stuff and some music theater and things like that. So wow, that's um, really cool. That's super cool. Fun yeah. fact: John Nunn from Nunn Finer Products, oh, yeah. his one son is a professional opera singer. Yeah, you know I did know that. Yeah, he's fantastic. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. He's fantastic. John has great kids. Yeah. They're all very, very cool kids. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's very, very cool. So. I mean, it, it's impressive. I may not be any good, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but one day he was, uh, you know, selling us hoof oil and next day he's on stage singing yeah. opera. So. Yeah. That's incredible. Now, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's he's really, yeah. Good. good that's good kids, impressive. So. Uh, fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. The yeah. stuff you learn on the show, the Karen. Th- <laughs> We're here to provide information. <laughs> So Shannon, do you have any advice for that young rider trying to make it in this sport? Don't give up. Um, I'll never give up. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, I think in life as people like, it's really important for us to try to be better every day. But I think in, in this life, there is a lot of challenges and of, of, hurdles that it can throw at you and it you 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 just like believe in yourself and stay true to who you are um and and find good mentors like i i had like i said i had had great mentors and i've had great friends and mentors since i've been out here i have really good good friends that have given me great advice and helped me to get through um what this was which was a hard year and a half and it's it's you know, I'm feeling like I'm on the other side of it and feeling more successful, but, um, it's been challenging and, um, there is so surrounding yourself with good people and, and then believing in yourself and just don't give up. If you really want it, hard work will pay off. And I, like, I think as a kid, I, you know, like I said, it wasn't natural. Um, I was really bad as a writer so I, but I worked really hard and I was never going to be outworked. And so, um, I think that is something like hard work beats talent every day. So I think, you know, that's something to remember. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Great advice. Peter Gray said the same thing. Mm -hmm. He had, I think three riding instructors that all told him to quit riding and go play basketball because he was so tall. That makes me feel better. He turned out okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good. <laughs> so you're in good company. Yes. I think that I think that sometimes, uh, you know, the gifted person, it, it, the challenge, almost. Um, I think sometimes you need that challenge. You need that 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 carrot. You know, that striving to to keep you motivated. Sometimes, you know, so. They say that yeah. like a lot of like I forget we've had some guests on where like they studied like young riders who you know they got their gold at fifteen years old at young riders and then they kind of stop riding and it's kind of like mm-hmm. there's something to be said about early success versus a, a little bit of the right. struggle and 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 seeing that you mm-hmm. you know because eventually things aren't going to go great and if I think sometimes when when everything's you know we all see that young person who wins and wins and wins and then I think that it's hard to learn how to, how to um, handle adversity when you had so much success early yeah. on. So mm-hmm. I don't Absolutely. Know. You have to fail, right? Like if I, I think that's something that this generation 
has to be okay with too, that you have to fail. Your failures make your successes. So, so the more you fail, the better you'll be. And, and it's taking what you learn from that, right? It's not failure, it's feedback, that sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think that's something else that I would probably say. Good answer. (laughs) Very good answer. Well, and the nice thing is you co- you've coached so many young people. Like you, 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 you're in touch with that generation. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's important. And I think it's important for these young riders that have really quality coaching and quality, you know, people. You know, you got a you got a gold medalist coaching out there at your under twenty one uh, training. Right. right. That's, Pretty cool. It is cool. It is really cool. cool. So, hey, uh, we'll start winding things down. We always like to just kind of wind things down with just asking if there's any sponsors or supporters that you'd like to shout out. I, my biggest sponsors, supporters, I mean, they're all supporters. Ego 7 is fabulous. They, I mean, they do boots, but they do breeches. They do hunt coats. They do everything. Now they do gloves and socks and hats. I mean, and they just sent me a bunch of stuff. And their their quality is second to none. It's incredible. Um, and then Kep has been the helmet I've used for years. And, and I will say that I feel the safest in their helmets. Um, had some falls in them and I've been great. So <laughs> I swear by them. Um, APF has been a staple for years. Um, Mike and Joy Vano, who started that company, they, they've been fantastic and great supporters and world equestrian brands and Emory go saddles. Um, I started, well, I bought saddles from them to fit a horse that was challenging a year and a half ago when I first got out here and Robin and more and Jeannie Clark have been fantastic and the, their products are, are amazing. And I, I mean, they have everything. So I use a ton of their stuff and then stress less has been really supportive that sounds like a pretty solid list, Karen. It sure does. That's really yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, a lot of uh, very fashionable stuff. That Ego Seven, the Kep, those are all very high mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah, fashionista. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. well, hey, real, one real quick question before we finish. I know, I know, but like as far as like your move East Coast, it sounds like you've been out here before. Obviously, you you, you know you've you've traveled out here. You know Buck. You know a lot of these riders. You, you've been around. You you know everybody. But what was that like moving to an area where you go from California, where it was so much different, and then here? Uh, do you feel like you were accepted? Is it a welcoming community? Is it uh, is it hard to break in? Like with getting coaching or what's that? I like? actually I felt very welcomed. I you know it's interesting. There's actually a lot more Californians out here than you realize. <laughs> um, and I knew, I think because of all the committee work I do as well, um, I knew a lot of people in Florida and a lot of people up here. And so I really didn't, I, I think the biggest thing is you're a little intimidated being in a place that you don't know, but the biggest thing is to be okay with saying hello. Like, and I'm really, I'm very friendly. So I always, you know, I say hello to people. A lot, and you'd be amazed at how many people say hello back, and then they start talking to you. And it's funny so how that works. I, yeah. you know, I just like you have to get brave. I kept saying to people that Dana, one of them who I talked to last year, I said, "I just, I just have to be brave and say hi." And then everyone's really nice, and it's not any different than it is on the West Coast in that regard because everyone's really friendly. Um, but they may not be the first, you know, who knows? Like everyone's very focused and doing their own thing. But I did not 
feel like it was a place where it was unfriendly or hard to break into so much is it's just set up differently. I mean, and on the West Coast, all of the people are so amazing. It is a very tight knit community. I and I lived there my whole life and I loved it. Um, and but we go to horse shows that are over three days. So oftentimes we're there for four or five days and we're all stabled there and we all hang out and we all have cocktails in the evening or whatever it is, you know, like and we all and we all are in the warm arena together with our all the coaches are in the warm arena together and everyone's really good friends. And so I do miss that. Um, and I have some really good friends and I still talk to them all the time, but I, I have good friends out here too. And, you know, you might see them in a different capacity and it may not be hanging out in the warm arena all the time, but sometimes it is. Um, and so I, it's not better, or worse, it's just different, but it's all very positive and I've really enjoyed it. And I felt like it's been very accepting. So yeah. that's one thing I, I, I thought, there would be more of would be like here. It's definitely like, especially our pros, all the professionals that are local here. Mm -hmm. It's like that last horse is done and you're out of there. I mean, they don't even, I mean, get the dressage test, leave the ribbons and just go. It seems like a lot of times. So I can see where that would be really nice in California to have a little bit of time at night, have a little cookout, Mm -hmm. a little, yeah. Social time, get oh, to yeah. you know, just enjoy each other's company a little bit. But, but then, um, but then you're away from your farm for two or three days, and all those horses that had to be ridden and all. So right. that's a hard part too. So, right, and that's why here they everybody leaves because they have other horses to ride or other people yeah. to teach or right. other and and everything's in one day, and or if it's you know different levels over different days. But um, yeah, it's it's different. I mean, we would leave for almost a full week and those people that are at home, if they're not showing, you know, then they're, they're every other week, they're not getting four or five days, you know? And so that part was really challenging. So we would always on the West coast, we'd try two days. Great. You know, we could get the shows to do two day events. That would be fantastic. And then you're only there, but, um, for three days maybe, but the, the driving, you might have to be there four days because if it's a really long drive, then you're there on a Thursday and you compete Saturday. And so um, it just it just depends. Yeah. Um, but that community is incredible. I I do miss it. I can see where that would definitely grow a a, a, a bond. Being you know you're mm-hmm. camping with these people. Mm-hmm. And so you see that yeah. person you can't stand. You're like, oh no, <laughs> our campers next to their camp. We're here for three days next to these people. <laughs> Just kidding. That never happens in any of any community. Never. You get to where, yeah. I mean, it doesn't usually, right? But. Yeah. Yeah, there are those few. <laughs> so, hey, last question: Just how do people follow along? How do people maybe contact you if they want to see about getting a clinic or getting on the training schedule with you? I know you're a busy person, but if you ever had an opening, how would people contact you? And then, how do people find you on social media? So, everything is Team Lily Eventing. Uh, my Instagram is Team Lily Eventing. My Facebook page is that as well. I mean, I have Shannon Lily stuff. But it, it all my business stuff is Team Lily Eventing, and I'm obviously the team part is a big deal. So um, my website is TeamLilyEventing dot com, and it has my phone number and my email. My phone number is on Facebook. I mean, you can get a hold of me 
pretty much any way. Texting me is a really good way to get a hold of me. Um, email is good too. There are times sometimes I have so much junk mail that I miss things. So, um, but I, but texting me or messaging me on Instagram or Facebook is is a great way to get a hold of me. I do have some openings for clinics. Um, I haven't done my next year's schedule, so I haven't done my November schedule yet. So there are some dates that will open up for the winter for sure. Um, and then next year, but it is busy. <laughs> Imagine that the marketing experts get the branding down. Everything right. is team Lily. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just type in team yep. Lily and you will find. <laughs> I will say the best advice I got from when I was starting my own business and not being flying till farms anymore. Um, one of my clients, I said, I'm trying to come up with a name. She says, it has to have your name in it. No matter what, it has to have your name in it. I said, yeah, no, I, I agree with that because they have to find you. And so one of my old working students who she's coming up with her own name for her own business now, because she's going to start doing this for a living. Um, I said, make sure your name is in it. It's really important because if people Google you, like it needs to pop up. And so I will say more advice for kids or not kids, but the younger generation that's starting this, like make sure your name is a part of it. Cause they have to identify with that. They can find you. Mm-hmm. Excellent answer. <laughs> yeah. Very there good. we go. Very well, cool. Karen, was this fantastic? This was wonderful. Shannon, it was so nice to finally get to chat with you. Hopefully we see you this weekend at Fair Hill. That'd be exciting. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll, that would be great. It was we, so great we'll to talk go. to both of you. Thank you so much for all you do. I really appreciate it. you guys have a great platform and and I know people really appreciate being able to discuss things. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and never miss an episode of the Major League Eventing Podcast.